Hi and welcome to our staff devotion. We are going to take a look at the book of Matthew, which is going to be um, the book that we're focusing on in year 2020. Uh, it is the beginning of the New Testament, the first of the Gospels. Um, and I guess this is a little bit of a primer uh, for the book. Uh, my hope is actually that, um, and I've said this before, but I can't, don't know if everybody heard it, but for next year, by the time we start our staff devotions by next year, uh, I'm just going to be randomly calling people to run devotions on Matthew. And I'm also expecting that between December and when we get up in February, that all of our pastoral staff anyway will be across the book of Matthew. Like, so we're all doing our own study. Uh, we should be, as pastors anyway, competent enough in the Word of God that we can study ourselves. I'm happy to recommend um, commentaries to you and point you in directions for um, resources and materials. I'm also happy to have ongoing dialogues um, if you have particular questions about um, the book of Matthew and you want to uh, discuss things. But I'm actually thinking that a lot of it is going to have to be self-driven. What's exciting about that is I think we will then get multiple views of the book of Matthew based on what your gifting is, what your history is, maybe your generation looks at the book of Matthew different, right? Um, I think in the past, one of the failings um, of my mode of operation is everybody gets the Chris Ong flavor of the book of Romans, the whatever the other book is, right? Revelation, right? So like in many senses this year, uh, the book of Revelation would have been done different if Jonathan Mock was writing the book of Revelation. You'd be getting details, details, details. This is the menorah. This, are the, this is what this stands for. This is, right? And then you go into the whole maybe Hebraic lens of Revelation and you go into the prophetic lens of Revelation and you go, right? And what you got from Revelation from me this year was the big picture of Revelation. Here are the, here's God's end game. Here are the major themes of the book of Revelation. Here's uh, Revelation wisdom. Here's what wisdom, um, uh, Revelation says about these three major topics of sex, um, you know, money and, and uh, whatever, power, right? Um, it really was kind of my take on reading the book of Revelation. I'm a kind of big picture person and, and I like to say things with certainty instead of like speculate on details that may or may not eventuate, right? Yeah. And so you got like that lens, the church kind of got the, 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 the one-liner from the letters or the one-liner from each of the different sermons. And then the big one-liner for the all of Revelations was that we are faithful and true. Faithful and true is a great one-liner actually for the book of Revelation because not only is it a call for his God's church to be faithful and true and for us to go through all of the persecution and everything to stay faithful and true it is also a picture of how God himself becomes faithful and true to all of his promises and, and fulfillment of that so so the, the theme faithful and true was not picked randomly right but it was also picked with my lens and so what I'm really excited for for next year is that all of our pastoral team and maybe any of our leaders that are uh, listening to this, you are doing your own study of the book of Matthew. Mm. 
That means you're going through that process which I've been going through, but I don't want to just be the only one going through these types of things. You are formulating without training wheels. What are the major themes of Matthew? What does God have to say to our life and your life through the book of Matthew? What, what is that? Cool? Yeah. Um, and so by the time we hit February, I'm expecting everybody to have already answered that question. Everybody already knows what that is for yourself. For your, uh, you can point to your favorite passages in the book of Matthew. You can, oh, these are the particular, particularly significant bits of the book of Matthew. Oh my goodness, this theme, these are major themes of the book of Matthew. You, you basically could, by February, write a book report on the book of Matthew, ready to go, if you wanted to, is what I would imagine, right? That... Uh, you could do. and like oh my goodness like Matthew is a good book for that maybe Revelation a little bit trickier but Matthew uh, is pretty simple and I imagine like I don't know how how long people spend to do assignments you know like one week or whatever like we've got two months so I feel like it's a reasonable amount of time for an assignment on the book of Matthew but to help us with that and you can go back and listen to this um, session. I'm going to talk a little bit about an overview of the book of Matthew, right? And, in, and I'm going to in particular talk about our lens and my kind of take on the book of Matthew, which will then be reflective of FGA's kind of view on that. Um, I, what I'm hoping for is that as you do your own, if there are things that I've missed or that we want to balance it out in certain other ways, that we would have very robust conversation next year. Great. So then when we go next year, you go like, oh, hey, Chris, I know, like, it's like, oh my goodness, God with us is a major theme for the book of Matthew. But actually, there's also this. The kingdom is massive, you know, or whatever in, in, in Matthew, whatever it is, right? And then you want to... It is. Oh, it is. That, absolutely, right? So, so then, we, then, then you know, we have a little bit of debate and we talk about it and then we maybe incorporate it into God with us so that God, being God, who has his own kingdom, when he is with us, his kingdom becomes our kingdom. Because it's always his kingdom. And so then you can use kingdom language into Emmanuel and into the book of Matthew. Right, but that will only come if you're already taking it from sort of, sort of all these like different lenses. Uh, the, the the goal again is to be so comfortable with the Book of Matthew that we can navigate it like it's Disney World or whatever it is. Like you just know the thing by the back of your hand, so that when you want to have conversations about it, you can go, oh, yeah, 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 Kingdom, right? Oh, the five discourses or whatever the thing is, right? Like what, like what is in the Book of Matthew? What does it say, right? Um, um, about Jesus and the gospel, right? Is the is the goal that uh, is the goal that we're shooting for? Okay. Um, the um, and kingdom being a very major theme in the Book of Matthew. Um, actually, our if so, let's begin with next year. The actual um, one liner, I guess, or the the theme for next year is advance the kingdom all right so while this year we summarize the book of revelation as faithful and true next year it is advance 
the kingdom. You get a glimpse of it because the book of Matthew ends with the Great Commission. Right? So you get a clue of like, hey, why was this book written? Why does he tell all these kinds of stories? Right? It's because Matthew gets to the end of it and it ends with the Great Commission. All power, all authority is given to me. Everything is mine. Now, this is... So I got all authority. I can command you to do anything. This is what I will command you to do. Go and make disciples. Right? And I'm with you. Right? To the end of this age. Brilliant. So, at some level, a theme of the book of Matthew is evangelistic. It's evangelistic because Jesus himself comes into our world and evangelizes the world. The word evangelize, euangelion in Greek, means um, good news. He proclaims the good news. Right? What is this good news? He is the good news. (laughs) Jesus himself, the topic of the book of Matthew, Mm. Jesus himself is the good news. That God himself will die for our sins and give us a new hope with him. Right? like, uh, so you you get these types of themes, I think, um, from the from the book of Matthew. That's why we're it's our evangelism year next year. We're saying it's advance the kingdom. We're looking at the book of Matthew, and the book of Matthew's major themes revolve around the kingdom, advancing it. God is with us, these types of things. Uh, and the understanding of Jesus. Okay? Now I know I'm saying all kinds of seemingly random things, but they are not random. They're all in the cluster of what Matthew covers. Right? So where uh, Acts, when we did Acts, might have been a greater emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And that's not to say, you know, like Jesus is not significant in the book of Acts. Right? Um, Matthew sure it talks about the Holy Spirit but Matthew's emphasis is Jesus it's not the Father God not so much the Holy Spirit Jesus Jesus and so next year we're looking at Jesus I feel like Jesus 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 the son of David the son of Abraham you know, <laughs> Jesus, that's the one, right? And so, um, you can't go that far off. Oh my goodness, we're a church and we're studying Jesus. What so, is the Hebrew pronunciation for Jesus? Joshua. Huh? What? Joshua. Is Jesus not Joshua? How would Joseph, Jesus' father, have called him? <coughs> I, I don't speak the language. Yeah. I read the language. <laughs> Jesus, because God told him to call Jesus. Yeah, so how it was actually pronounced... um, Yeah, so how it's actually pronounced is hotly debated because it's dependent on the dialect and your emphasis. It's hotly debated. That's why, why, um, you know, like Yahweh, we're saying Yahweh now, but um, the uh, Germans in particular who had uh, problems with the, the W sound would say Jehovah, right? And so we now know better that the 
Jews would have likely said something that sounded a bit more like Yahweh than Jehovah. But to the person who doesn't understand the Hebrew language, those sound like two very different words. But the Hebrew language doesn't have vowels. It's a triliteral root. Yeah. So whether you say Jehovah or Yahweh, they are the same actual triliteral root. Is the way to think about it. So it's like the same thing. It's like saying, it's like me saying, the book of Matthew is about the kingdom, but it's also about Jesus. But it's also about God with us. I'm not saying it's about elephants and penguins. That's completely different. I'm picking stuff. By the time I'm saying Jesus, kingdom, right? Um, Jewish background, whatever. The th- well, by the time I'm saying those types of things, they sit within the range, the semantic range that is covered in Matthew. And so what I'm hoping with this overview and this sort of discourse about Matthew is that you get a feel for what's in Matthew and what's not. What can you include? And what, I mean, you could include, but it's really not the main emphasis of the book of Matthew. Yeah, you know it so well. It's like, it's like Yahweh could be Jehovah, it could be Yahweh, but it cannot be Christopher. It couldn't. There is no way you could take that trilateral root. Like, so Jesus could be Joshua. Jesus could be Joshua, but it couldn't be Isaiah. Like, yeah, it could be Yeshua. It could be all of these. It could be Joshua. It could be Yeshua. It could be Jesus. It could be Jesus. It could be all these, all of these things. You can say all of that, and we'd be like, "Woo, you're fine." But by the time you're like, "Why see go?" <laughs> it's, it's. It's a different planet. You have no understanding of the, the raw material that you're working with. <laughs> like, although... <laughs> if, so I'm trying to get everybody to, to have a good Is understanding. Christ? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Young Christ. Yeah, young Christ go. Young Christ go. Christ being formed in every day, right? So anyway, so let's dialogue and delve. That's why I think it's so exciting to go into the book of Matthew because you literally get a view of that raw material, of what things are in the book of Matthew that we can then talk about, that Matthew emphasizes, um, and what things... uh, So uh, because then there are things that are in the book of Matthew, they then fall into the category of things, of topics, I guess, that Matthew kind of covers. And uh, that's what I'm hoping... Uh, that we can get to. All right. um, a couple of resources that I find are really good uh, are the... Um, I actually really like... I don't say this very often, but I really like the study guide that is in the ESV Study Bible. Um, then I would also recommend the New Bible Commentary as well, I quite like. And then today we are also um, going to be looking at the Pillar New Testament commentary, which is probably my favorite because the general editor was D.A. Carson. <laughs> and you're going to see a lot of my own, um, yeah, my own biases. This Trinity is a, an amazing school. The commentary was written by D.A. Carson. I know. And then the pillar was edited by Diego. <laughs>
Uh, it's okay. Uh, also, be, be loyal. Be loyal by uh, Wearsby is um, a good entry level book on the Book of Matthew. So it's called Be Loyal. It's part of the B series. Um, Warren Wearsby. Warren Wearsby. Like we've been doing a lot of Wearsby stuff actually. Like I, I, I found that uh, Wearsby probably hits FGA the best in terms of where we sit theologically but also in our understanding and accessibility. Um, uh, because some of the other stuff um, that I read, FGA, like, it wouldn't be that well received for this way. Okay? So anyway, so those are some resources for you. A couple of commentaries, but we can, I can point you to a few others. Um, and then... There is Be Loyal, which I recommend. There's also a little bit of a study guide that um, the Gospel Coalition has put out on um, that I found is pretty good. And then I don't know if your family does this thing, um, but at a, at, a, at a very family level, the Bible Project is very good, right? The Bible Project has these videos that, you know, like, and basically illustrate... They're so good. They're so good. Like, basically... If you're a five-year-old or whatever it is, right? They have like the I just perfect like the, the style. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the style is the really, really good. The design's amazing. Yeah. It's got visual illustrations, right? Yeah. And then it steps you through like if you don't like reading books, you just like to watch a video. It's a brilliant, like it's a brilliant video. And then uh, they split it up into two ca- categories, right? And so uh, we're living in a time now where we've got really good access to information. Yeah. Um, in particular, um, yeah, really good access to information that's, um, that's uh, academically robust even. So the Bible Project um, is, is, pretty, is pretty good. Uh, in fact, the Bible Project summary of Matthew is, Jesus brings God's heavenly kingdom to earth. That's a way to summarize God with us, mm. right? Or Emmanuel. Jesus brings God's heavenly kingdom to earth and invites his disciples into a new way of life through his death and resurrection. Invites his disciples into a new way of life through his death and resurrection. That's like code for evangelism. Because not only is he inviting his disciples, which is the first people he evangelizes, the book of Matthew ends with, let's also evangelize and make disciples of the whole world. Let's make these future disciples, so go and make future disciples into a new way of life through his death and resurrection. So that's a, so when I read a summary like that, Jesus brings God's heavenly kingdom to earth and invites his disciples into a new way of life through his death and resurrection, as a summary of the book of Matthew, I go, yeah, these guys know their content well and they're bringing up the major themes of the book of Matthew. They didn't just pick whatever their hobby horses and whatever their thing is, yeah. right? Like, we're mainly covering the thrust of the book. Of Matthew in that. Okay, um, I like um, the study Bible, which then um, goes. Uh, the study Bible summarizes uh, Matthew, and it says this for the theme of the book of Matthew. This is the story of Jesus of Nazareth. So it, it highlights the major focal point for the book of Matthew. Jesus, which is next year we're doing Jesus, recorded by the Apostle Matthew as a compelling witness that Jesus is, and so now 
all the gospels talk about what Jesus, who Jesus is. In fact, the whole Bible talks about who Jesus is, and they all bring a different facet of Jesus. So, uh, by the Apostle Matthew, as a compelling witness that Jesus is, and then these next few words are very important to um, emphasize Matthew's, um, to tell you what Matthew's emphasis is. Jesus is the long-anticipated Messiah. That's significant because the book of Matthew is the most Jewish of all of the Gospels. It's the one that links in with the Old Testament. It's the one that is going to highlight that all of the Old Testament has been telling of a Messiah that has now been long awaited and this guy has arrived. As far as you go back from Abraham that was promised and going forward, right? So the long anticipated Messiah who brought the, and then here you go again, the kingdom of God to earth, God with us, and is the prophesied fulfillment of God's promise for true peace and deliverance for both the Jew and the Gentile. And that's another way to say the good news for all the world. Okay, so that's another way to say that he's the bringer of the true peace and deliverance. He's the savior. So shalom, right? So these, these concepts of Jesus, his own name means salvation, right? So Jesus, Joshua means he saves, right? So, and then you get the whole concept of shalom, which is like uh, peace. It's a Jewish concept, right? Peace, restoration, completeness, wholeness. And so you've got God's promise of good news. Shalom and deliverance for both the Jew and the Gentile, meaning for all the world, right? So because it begins with the Jew and it ends with the Gentile. That's what Matthew does. Begins with the Jew. He's running around Jewish Israelites everywhere, right? And it ends with, and then you go to the whole world. So Matthew actually gives permission for all of that New Testament um, (coughs) explosion that Paul has to all the world. Because Matthew ends with, and go everywhere. Including Australia, whatever. Implied, right? Uh, that's why, yeah. So anyway, so I like, I also like what um, the ESV study Bible has to say about the major theme of the book of Matthew, right? Somehow in your own words and in your own, after reading all of these different commentaries, you have to form some kind of mental picture of your summary of the book of Matthew. Okay. So, let's go into it. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> Matthew uh, is the, the first in the Bible of the four Gospels. It's probably, uh, it's, you know, like, okay, so scholars debate all these things. Largely, FGA doesn't really care about it, but I'll just talk a bit about it, right? Um, it's debated whether Matthew is the first book or not. Yeah? There is a lot of talk about original source material that then Matthew compiles and various other things. For all intents and purposes, I think you can view Matthew. Um, Some would say Mark would be one of the earlier ones. Mm -hmm. But for all intents and purposes, you can view Matthew as one of the earlier ones. Okay? If you want to color the four Gospels, so my rule of thumb for for the four Gospels is Matthew is that the Jewish one. Mark is the quick and to the point one. 
So he's the, he's the one for like, if you know nothing about the Old Testament, nothing about Jewish history, nothing about it, and you just, you're just a random guy walking to the, from the street, right? Mark, he's your go-to. Because he's like, bang, 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 bang. let me give you the essentials, right? Um, Luke is the stories one. So uh, Luke's all the parables, you know, detailed parable like story like he really goes into like Luke's account of the nativity is so much more interesting than even Matthew's account of the nativity which is basically better than Mark and John's non-existent telling of the nativity sure. right because Mark is like and then Jesus showed up <laughs> it's basically Mark's intro to Jesus, right? And then John is your artistic one. Beginning with the light, and the, you know, the whatever, the word, the whatever, like, you know, you know, like he just uses these light, salt, um, vine, like all these, like, he's like the, he's the poetic imagery one who, like, a bit like Revelation. Yeah, he's, he's all artsy. He, is even less concerned about where Luke is concerned about the details of the story and Matthew and Mark is more sequential and then Matthew is about Jewish cycles and themes, right? John is like imagery king. He's like an artist painting a picture of something that you can't comprehend and words can't really do justice to. Yep. So anyway, those are the four Gospels. We're doing Matthew is the one that's most linked in with the um, Old Testament. Technically, none of these books are authored in the text, right? So, uh, it says the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was the author of the book of Matthew. The early church recognized that Matthew was the author of the book of Matthew. It's titled the Gospel of Matthew. It's titled. But the actual text does not say, Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm writing the book of Matthew. All right, just just for technicality, I don't think anybody really. Uh, you can go into big debates about all these things, but yeah, broadly, you need to know these types of things. Okay. Um. Um, I think you want to always ask what the occasion or the, what was the reason, for writing the Book of Matthew, and I think. One, all four Gospels were written to be eyewitness accounts of a real-world person called Jesus Christ, right? Who transformed uh, each of the author's lives, but also each of the author's communities so much that they decided to go, oh my goodness, somebody has to record this. <laughs> it's, like, it's like baby dedication Sunday, and we need a videographer, but a million times more significant. <laughs> right? And so... So basically, they're like, whoa, this is like, this is, we got to get this down. And so, and then the reason why Matthew wrote is to make the link with the Old Testament. So what I really like about the ESV study Bible is it says this. Matthew crafted his account to demonstrate Jesus's messianic identity, his inheritance of the Davidic kingship over Israel and his fulfillment of the promise made to his ancestor Abraham to be a blessing to all the nations. 
And with that, we begin with the first words of the book of Matthew. Matthew 1, verse 1. The book of... And so... Um, uh, in that first sentence, Matthew's trying to establish, like, this is what, what is this, the book of? This is the book of the genealogy, the heritage. This is the book of the legacy. This is the book of the real life of Jesus Christ. And then introduced in that first sentence as the son of David. So there's that link to the Davidic kingship over Israel. The son of Abraham. Link into Abraham's promise. You only pick those two. And then he goes on. He actually begins with Abraham. Right? You'll see Luke begins with all the others, Mark. They all begin with others. Right? But Matthew, because he's so Jewish, he begins with the father of the Jews. So what is it? Is it Mark? Mark, uh, Mark begins with? No. Um, Luke? I said Luke first, right? No. Um, John. One of them. Begins with Adam. Oh, I think that... No, because the genealogy in Luke is later on. Yeah. Anyway, Matthew is the only one who begins with Abraham. Then, one of the other Gospels... Yes, yeah, the other Luke. 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 Yeah. Luke begins with Adam. Yeah. yeah. But that's because for Matthew, Jesus was the king of the Jews. Father Abraham was the beginning of the nation. And so he's trying to make that link to all of the Old Testament, of the, of the Jewish Old Testament, okay? All right. So, um, then, um, so, okay, so I've given you a little bit of overview. It's kind of purpose, when it was written, who wrote it, all right? So let's talk about its distinctive characteristics or uh, what are some of the major themes in the book of Matthew, and then I'll end with here's an outline of the book of Matthew. Some of the major things. All right. So here are some distinctive characteristics uh, of the book of Matthew. One is its Jewishness. All right. So great. The book of Matthew needs to be le- read with a Jewish lens. Which means you be you have to be comfortable with Judaism. You need to know the Pharisees. You need to know their laws. You need to know why their messianic prophecies. These types of things. Okay. Um, then, um, so Matthew has a Jewish background and he's deeply interested in Jews. Okay. The next one is um, the fulfillment of prophecy is a major theme. The fulfillment in Christ is a major theme uh, in Matthew. The kingdom has come. Oh my goodness, I'm here. We're all here. Like It's all happening. The son of David is mentioned many times in the book of Matthew. Um, uh, 32 times kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God five times, right? The kingdom six times. The king. So he's basically saying, hey, everything that was talked about, it's coming right now in Jesus. Great. The third thing that is a major theme 
in the book of Matthew is because, and one way to think of it is as the making of disciples. Right? So you want to think about it like Matthew ends with the Great Commission. Every time we say the Great Commission, everyone's quoting Matthew, right? So it's the story of how Jesus made his disciples. Do you see how he makes his disciples? He, it's got a lot of his discourses. So a lot of his instructions and his parables and stuff is to his disciples. And so it's a... And so um, the pillar commentary calls it the ecclesiastical interest. But ecclesiastical just means... So ecclesiology is study of the church. Right? The church is disciples. The one way to think of the church is like... The church is disciples. Basically, right? Non-church is non-disciples, right? So ecclesiastical interest means how uh, he's interested in the formation of the church, in the formation of the disciples. So Matthew gives you an insight to how are disciples made? Therefore, go and make disciples is one way to look at it. Okay? Good. This is a lot of teaching about that. Then um, another major theme in the book of Matthew is actually teaching. So Matthew is a bit of a teacher. All right? So you've got uh, the Sermon on the Mount. You've got a lot of, like a chunk of, t- where, where, where Luke is a little bit of a storyteller slash historian. Matthew is a bit of a teacher. So he records a lot of the discourses, the teachings of Jesus. Are in there, okay. Um, and then, lastly, the big, big theme in the Book of Matthew is the kingdom, God's kingdom. So, so a good sort of working definition of kingdom is God's rule, where He's king. He's the, the king's domain, kingdom, right? So if you talk about God's kingdom, it's where God is the king in his domain. So then when his kingdom comes to earth, then earth becomes where God is king in his domain. Kind of thing. Yeah? Um, Anyway, so those are the major kind of themes uh, in the book of Matthew. Uh, Let me see if I have covered most of them. Key themes. Yep, that's it. Okay, good. And then um, let's do now an, uh, an, a good overview of the book of Matthew, which I like the new Bible commentaries overview. Um, okay, so... Um, the New Bible Commentary breaks it up into one, two, three, four, five sections. Matthew breaks up into five sections. Okay, the first section is introducing Jesus, which is Matthew one to four. Four. I'm just going to do it in broad terms, right? It's four sixteen, but it's okay. It's hello. Here's Jesus. Here's his genealogy. Here's the nativity. Here's John the Baptist. Right? He's introducing Jesus. This is Jesus. He's introduced as being the fulfilled Messiah and, and linked back to the Old Testament. Okay. Then, 4 to 16. So Matthew 4 to 16 
is generally Jesus' public ministry in around Galilee. So it is, hey, section one is, here's Jesus. Section two is, this is what Jesus says to everyone or does with everybody. This is kind of like who Jesus is public. All right? So you have the first discourse, you have the second discourse, you have the third discourse, and I'll talk a little bit about the discourses. There's five discourses that are in Matthew um, that you kind of need to know. All right? But 4 to 16 is Jesus' public ministry. Then 16 to 18 is Jesus' private ministry. So this is who Jesus is when people are not looking. But Matthew's looking. So he's giving you the inside look. Right? So you get the public ministry of Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, things that he does, right? And then you've got his fourth discourse, which he's just talking to his disciples. Right? Then, um, the next two sections, which I think we've made three sections, huh, Megan? Um, goes from 19 to 25 is Jesus' ministry in Judea. But um, uh, I would rename that to Jesus is the last two sections, ministry in Judea and death and resurrection of Jesus, right? Is basically Jesus fulfilling what he came to do. So in the previous sections, it was Jesus talking in public, then Jesus talking in private. And then it ends with, when you get to 19, he begins his road to Jerusalem. So he's going back to Jerusalem. Right? So you get to the end of Matthew. He's, the beginning of Matthew um, is, Jesus is the fulfillment. He's arrived. He's the fulfillment of the messianic promise, the covenant. He's, right? He has kept all of the promises by appearing then you get to Matthew 19 which is starts his road back to Jerusalem and he's like okay now Jesus is fulfilling all of the prophecies he's going to show up in a donkey he's going to enter into the Hosanna with a thing he's going to be you know crucified he's going to have his, his uh, pierced right so basically the end of Matthew is Jesus just fulfilling what he came to earth to do to die for our sins and then be raised again as the victory over death. Okay? So, 19 to 25 is what the Bible commentary says is ministry in Judea, but I kind of view it as the back to Jerusalem. It's Jesus fulfilling that. He's going back to meet his destiny. And then 26 to 28 is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right? which is, you could argue, is the point of why he came. To die for our sins and be rose again. And you get to the end, and we're actually in our home group series. We're creating a sixth section because Megan is so amazing. She's picked out. Uh, which I love it. I love it, actually. There's a sixth section in the book of Matthew, and that is the Great Commission. So we're just spending one whole session on that final one because it's like the point of Matthew that now what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go and make disciples. Okay? So that that's so one way you can break the book of Matthew into six 
And actually, we will be trying to do that. We'll actually be trying to do that in our home group series. The first home group series of next year is actually an intro to the book of Matthew. We're hoping that the whole church reads the book of Matthew in that first series. It's not that hard. It's not like reading the book of Revelation and then every three verses you're confused. <laughs> like, it's basically a story. And Jesus' sort of um, sermons. Okay? Um, let's go through the five discourses. Alright? So what you need to know about Matthew, um, since it's a, Matthew is a teacher, a teaching uh, orientation, um, it's not Matthew's teachings. When I say it's a teaching orientation, what I mean is he focuses on the teachings of Jesus. Because, again, he's making disciples and then he's going to command you to make disciples. So how is that done? Part of it is done through teaching, but also part of it is through the living of life together. So there's an emphasis on the teaching. The first discourse is on, um, I guess, um, yeah, is, um, I'm trying to, I, I don't like the explanation of, um, the pillar commentary um, is uh, what is the kingdom of God like in okay so the pillar commentary says that the first discourse is about discipleship I think it is about it's public it's for everybody to hear it's about what is it like to be under the rule of God with His rules and His kingdom? Which you could say is discipleship, I guess. But I would prefer a, a more kingdom orientation. That's the first discourse. It begins with the Beatitudes. Right? So blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the worn, right? But then he talks about the salt in the light. Then it talks about anger. It talks about lust. It talks about divorce. It talks about retaliating and then loving um, your enemies and not retaliating loving your enemies talks about giving to the needy it's got the Lord's prayer in there it talks about fasting it talks about laying down treasures in heaven it talks about not being anxious it talks about hey don't judge others it talks about ask and it will be given to you and then it, it talks about um, the golden rule um, to love others as you love yourselves and then so it, it goes um it's pretty full on and it ends with and build your house on the rock. That means everything that we have said in the first discourse, don't just hear it, do it. It's kind of how it ends, all right? First discourse. You should broadly know what the first discourse is. It's all these things that kind of explain God's way. Maybe that's a better way. Maybe God's way. Me, it's about renewing their mindsets from what they they're setting their expectations and renewing their mind. That's right. Look with a with a kingdom lens. With a kingdom lens, exactly. With a kingdom lens. That's it. That's a good explanation. All right. So it's not. Hey, it's not what you think it is. You have to love your enemies, not slaughter them. Whatever. Blessed are the poor, those who weep, those who mourn. You're gonna change your lens a little bit. Yeah. So I think kingdom. Yeah, kingdom lens is great. Great. Okay. The second discourse, then, 
um, starts in Matthew nine thirty five, um, and the um, um, I guess the second discourse is like, um, what do disciples do? What's going to happen to disciples? Hey, let me tell you what life is like. And this is public, so it's not private to his disciples, it's to everybody, right? What's it like to be a follower of Jesus? Because we're going to be making followers of Jesus, and what's it like? So, you go, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. There are a few serious disciples. Then persecution will come. Have no fear. What? Why are you saying have no fear? Because <laughs> lots of scary things are about to show up. <laughs> You know, um, uh, you know, he talks even about um, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Right? He talks a little bit about the, the life um, of a disciple, I guess. Okay. That's the second discourse. The third discourse is Jesus teaching in parables. So um, that's in Matthew 13 to 16. And that's, um, so he, he explains, he begins with the parable of the sower, he says the purpose of parables, and then he explains parable of the sower, and he goes, different other parables, different other parables. And again, I feel like that is Jesus doing kingdom teaching. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a seed. It's like a pearl. It's like a lost treasure. I don't know what even things is, right? It's all of Jesus' parables are in the third discourse. Then we get to the fourth discourse, which is, uh, which I like this, is, um, is about relationship. So it is about the um, relationship between disciples. Okay? So how are we supposed to relate to each other? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves in relation to each other? Right? So it begins with the disciples saying, who's the greatest? And Jesus goes, oh my goodness. Let me teach you a thing about relating to each other. Firstly, if you want to be the greatest, you're going to be the worst. <laughs> like, and then he goes off, right? And he talks about um, the parable of the lost sheep. What do you do if a brother sins against you? Talks about unforgiving sermon. Teaches them about divorce. He teaches them about how to let children come to him and don't despise the little kids in service or whatever the thing is, right? Um, so all of this, he's teaching about how do you relate to children? How do you relate to someone who's, who, who, who sins against you? How do you relate to someone who's asking you for forgiveness and stuff like that? Right? How do disciples relate with each other? And you get to the fifth discourse, which is, um, I guess, the closest you'll get to the book of Revelation. Um, and um, the fifth discourse is called Judgment. It happens, again... In this era, where uh, in this section of Matthew, where Jesus is just fulfilling what he came to do, and so he's talking as he's fulfilling it, and so he foretells the destruction of the temple, which is also the destruction of himself. Then the temple will be raised; he's also going to be raised, right? Signs of the end of the age, the abomination of desolation, the coming of the Son of Man, the whatever. No one knows the day of hour. The the parable of the ten virgins that have to have enough oil to wait all the way to the end. All these types of things are in the judgment discourse. And a good way to think of that is Jesus, in his own words, talking about the book of Revelation. Kind of thing. About the kingdom. Alright? And that's it. Those are the five discourses in the book of Matthew. So we've covered the major themes of the book of Matthew. 
I've given a broad outline for how Matthew is structured. Then Jesus does these five big lectures on life and discipleship, I guess, right? And then you get to the end of Matthew. And let's just read. Uh, I feel like we'll end this thing by reading the last words of the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, 16 onwards. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, this is pretty surprising for them because Jesus is dead. Right? I, I mean, and then he's come back and whatever it is, right? But when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. That's awesome. I love that. Like, Matthew is so committed to just telling it as it is. So you see Jesus who's supposed to be dead. Like you've just gone to a guy's funeral. You've walked up to some mountain and you're like, oh my goodness, there's a dead guy. Some people are doubting. Then Jesus says to them, even in the midst of their doubt, even in, so like, even to a church like ours, where maybe the senior pastor thinks that half the church is like, not really full of faith. Right? Still the commission goes out to that church. Still the commission goes out to these disciples. And, the, and Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Basically, that first sentence, after he's been raised from the dead, he shows up to them. That first sentence says, Check it out guys, I've won. Not even death could hold me. That's basically what he's saying, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I've taken it all. I've gone down to hell. I've taken the keys. All of heaven and now all of earth. They all are belong to me. Okay? Is that how you read that first sentence? Now that I'm king of it all, and you can't even stop me with death, let me tell you. Verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Why was that first sentence important? Because he's basically saying, I'm worth following. Yeah. Go make this up. Go get everybody to follow me. Because I don't know who else they're following, but they are not worth following. They don't have all authority in heaven and earth. I do. So go and tell everybody to follow me. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them but that word baptizing, baptizo, is like how you would immerse a pickle, right? For preserving it. You completely fill it up. It's like going completely under the water. So filling them completely in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Filling them completely, right? Because I'm so worth it. I'm like, worth following. Pickling for the kingdom. Pickling for the kingdom. Great. <laughs> Teaching them. So there you go, you got the teaching emphasis to observe all that I have commanded you. What has he commanded? He's just done five discourses. In the book of Matthew, all that I have commanded you is literally one way to read that is all that I've said in the book of Matthew. That's one way to read it, right? Because Matthew's writing it. He's not aware of the other books that are yet to be written or whatever it is. So he's writing all that I've commanded you in his, in, in his mind when he's writing it. He's going all the things in the book of Matthew. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so then he ends the book of Matthew with the beginning, 
which was Jesus is introduced as Emmanuel, God with us. Mm. Ending the book by saying God is also still with us. Mm. It's amazing. There's, I'm not even going to go into like the Jewish structures of so many things that you got in the book of Matthew, but that's that's the that's the brief overview. So now we'll I'll pause. We've got another like twenty minutes or whatever. Let's have a bit of a discussion or questions of things that you want to ask about the book of Matthew. But that's um, for me anyway. That's kind of my forty-minute take on the book of Matthew. But are there are the things that you want to ask about Matthew, or that you kind of noticed, or or, or some ways. Right, let's have a bit of a discussion about the book of Matthew. I thought mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount was only to the disciples. Um, let me see. Details. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So maybe, yeah, maybe it was just to the... Maybe he kind of goes away... But it's part of um, Jesus. I think why the commentary puts it in there is like it's in the section of Jesus' public ministry. So he's got the crowd, and so maybe the seven amount is just to his disciples. I don't know. Maybe that might be true. But why does it say? And when Jesus finished these sayings in seven verse twenty-eight, so the, at the end of the discourse. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not scribes. So, if you look at that whole discourse, I know it begins with like the disciples came to him, but maybe the crowds followed as well. Sermon, the Mount, Sermon on the Mount. The, the, yep. Actually, the whole area is very huge. Oh, yeah. I've never been there. But Uncle YC has. Yeah, it's huge. So, likely, it's not just the disciples alone. Mm. Yeah, many people were eavesdropping. Yeah. I mean, you do know that um, um, it's very likely Jesus didn't just say these words. Once. Once, yeah. yeah. It's very, that's right. Yeah. It's very likely he keeps saying the same things again and again. And then also, he used more words than were written down. Mm-hmm. It's just they didn't have touch typing back then. And they, like, they're just taking the major notes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're taking the, <laughs> here are the key points of what Jesus is saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. um, writing was a big deal um, back in those days. So, um, yeah. They, they didn't write um, as quick as we did now. And then they, it was much more laborious. They just couldn't photocopy it to everybody. They would have to then, whatever they wrote, they would have to hand copy to pass to somebody else, right? So are you going to be like, write a 3,000 word essay or whatever, then somebody has to like copy that. Just, so they, they were a lot more tight with their words. And then what you'll find as well is they thought a lot more about their writing. And so then they would, you'll see them reorganize stuff. 
to either have chiastic structure or some kind of repetition to emphasize things or to put the important things up the front and so it's a little bit um it's not like a live twitter feed it's like a crafted story that you're gonna yeah it doesn't mean that it's it's made up or fictitious or anything it just means they paid attention <laughs> when they were writing and doing their account because it was a more convoluted process back then they wouldn't have um, they wouldn't have like sat on the Sermon on the Mount and then just scrawled notes and then hit print on it and there's the book of Matthew <laughs> like yeah they would have taken some kind of notes of the major points gone off thought about it wrote it some even say maybe the notes were written in Hebrew and then translated into Greek and then we get the great like all that speculation yeah cool. I'm happy to answer any questions you have about the book of Matthew at all um We have the whole year next year, so like it's likely. So uh, what Jerusha missed uh, was that by February next year, uh, we've got two months, December, January. All of us are going to know Matthew back to front, and we're going to do our own research. Um, and you know, but back to front, like broadly know Matthew, right? Yeah, even I don't know Matthew back to front, like in the details a level. But you'll have your own unique lens, which is great. So some of you will know it in heaps of detail. You will be like detailed people who like really like the detaily bits. Fantastic, great. Um, the only way I am able to keep alive is to uh, understand things in major points. <laughs> so it's like big block, big block, big block, and then you can always zoom in later. I find, but that's just me. Um, yeah. See, one of the things mm -hmm. that. Uh, it says in the verse 48, 5 verse 1, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, you just think about it, right? When Jesus mentioned about being perfect, what do you think He expects of us? Mm -hmm. In that perfection. We, he knows you cannot achieve perfection. But why did he yep. mention that specific yep. thing? You know, that we be perfect because yep. he, correct. You know, even as the Father is. I perfect. mentioned that in my sermon last week, right? Yeah. So this is part of the passage I pulled up in my sermon last week. Why do you think he says perfect? See, I I think that he probably for me personally. Yes. He do. He doesn't want us. He knows we cannot be perfect, but he doesn't want us to just oh because I can't be perfect therefore I can if I fail if I fall for whatever right it's okay because I'm not perfect anyway so that could be an excuse for our Christian world or our life as an excuse sure. yeah. you see which is not that's right I so you're saying don't give up on the exactly, goal exactly don't give up that's on not that goal the intent. Sure. Yeah. Although, just like you know if you look at the Olympic runners 100 meter mm -hmm. race is so competitive 
if you don't even do it in all those certain countries qualifying is like 10 10 percent if you got 10 seconds you can qualify to go into the olympic final olympic yep. participate in 100 meter but you know if you don't even touch 8.9 or whatever no chance of you but still people wants to they still strive for it they still enter the race hoping mm -hmm. they will still although my best is only 10 mm. but yet i will still go for the goal right. if i can you know right. so they are not giving up even right. though their capacity they cannot do it sure so that's one element of it yeah. um it, it sits in that discourse right where, where uh, jesus is describing what does perfect look like yeah Right, so I think you're correct in saying that in that text is an encouragement for you to chase that perfection. Yeah, the reason like, hey, be perfect because this is what God is. Yeah, this is what it right. So the Greek word for perfect is teleos, right? That means complete end. This is the perfect. I don't even know if I like perfect as the actual best translation. Right, teleos is like. This is the blueprint. This is the complete. This is the full yeah. picture of what it looks like. Yeah. This is the perfect. The end. the end. That's right. This is the end. Pick the final no. picture. The end. The yeah. 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 the completed. Yeah. I think complete. Uh, maybe Tilios completed. Maybe it might be a, a good word, right? Mm. So he's he basically goes. You know what? You have to be fully completed. You know why? Because God is the picture of completed. Yeah. yeah. That means fully Christ-like, fully Christ-formed, whatever. That's what it looks like. And that's why he talks about love your enemies, yeah. giving to the needy, right? Um, how you handle divorce. All these types of things are all the, yeah. the words before he says you have to be perfect, yeah. right? He's giving you an example of what perfection looks like. Yeah. Understanding that you are not going to be perfect, yeah. but don't give up on that goal. Yeah. You still have to be Christ-like. Yeah. Probably yeah, is always yeah. like, you know you can you cannot beat who's who's in both, but yet you still go for the race. Yes, yes. <laughs> cool. So likewise, even though I know I cannot achieve as a good or Christian, but nevertheless I still got to live up to being a good Christian. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. You see. Yeah. I'm hoping that one of the things that I will zoom zoom in on maybe not evaluate but like zoom in to like coach on is uh, our pastoral exegetical process so all of our pastoral staff have completed exegesis at some level right in your your theology training at some level i imagine so i'm gonna and even if you haven't brilliant because as you run devotions we will also have a little bit of a we will also do a little bit of a dialogue on what responsible exegetical process kind of looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So that then we're saying points that reflect what scripture intended to say and then how it's said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's part of our getting better at understanding God's word. Mm -hmm. okay. And so at some level, I'll be holding us um, to that as well. So um, running devotion. Next year. Oh, yeah. so you missed that too. Yeah, I'm just going to go like, oh, hey, Jerusha's going to do our next week's devotion. It's on Matthew, whatever it is. And then you should be fine because you already know Matthew back to front, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you just go, oh, hey, 
this is the passage. Here's where it sits in the some of the major themes. Here, right? And so, by the time you're saying something, I'm hoping that by the time you're saying something of value and of worth of that passage that I've just given you to do, it will be consistent with the major messages of Matthew. Your understanding of the Book of Matthew, where it sits on the thing, and yeah, because over December, January, you would have covered broadly the Book of Matthew. That in my head anyway, that's how I imagine a robust Bible study would go. Yeah. So what's our plan for, like, you know, how we have been doing those online devotions, which nobody reads? I know, yes. What's our plan for So that? we're taking a break over that. We're not doing it next I'm year. finally conceding and we're not doing that. Instead, well, we haven't done it this year. I know, exactly. That's right. So I'm conceding and next year is our evangelism year, so we'll focus on evangelism. And we'll pick up devotions later on, I guess. But for our pastoral team, instead of getting you to write devotion, I think you'll just run out of staff devotions. Which will be once in a while. Like it's not even every week. And then hopefully I'll have it on some kind of schedule. And then we'll just go, you're up. And I'll be looking for some kind of uh, prayed through Holy Spirit inspired, biblically accurate devotional from our world-class amazing pastoral team <laughs> it's very high expectations yes it'll be amazing <laughs> that's how I see it in my head anyway it's pretty good like Uncle YC's point is that that was great that was really good and it fit into the context of the whole thing and yeah so uh, and all of us I think you know at at some level can do research on text Right? I mean, there's always Google. So that's why one of the things I always tell uh, new believers, to be a Christian is very easy. Mm. But to live is very hard. Sure. I think maybe a reword of that is, to say you're a Christian, very easy. <laughs> to live, very hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because yeah. if you're not living it, you can yeah. argue you're not a Christian. <laughs> but I, I get you know, the sense of what you're saying is correct. Yeah. Yeah. To say you're a Christian, very easy. Yeah. Or to be labeled a Christian, very easy. Yeah. Because you just have to repent and say, oh, you know, God forgive me, or I repent of all my sins. Right? You are already a believer. Sure. But to live out the life of a believer. Sure. You know? Yes, yes. It's just like I was just thinking to myself, too, even denying the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. <coughs> If you were to put that circle as a nine, the fruit of the spirit, how many of us actually attain all of them? Hmm. Be good, be kind, be patient. Sure. Yeah. None of us live, live up to all those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. So to achieve perfection. That's it. Wow. So we're going to shoot for it. <laughs> yeah. We, but we still don't have to give up. Yes. Good. Alright, perfect. With those words, then we will end our uh, devotion and go into our service meeting.